This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Episode 335 of the Yellow Wallpot. I'm your host Stefan Butzko, and today we will try to preview the upcoming season, which starts Monday with the German DFB Pokal against MSV Duisburg. And for all that and more, join me once again, Matthias Suk. Hello, Matthias. How are you doing? Uh, hello, Stefan. I'm doing well. You know, shoveling out the snow as one does in late summer. How are you? It's, it's fairly warm in Philadelphia today. You know, still no, no, no shoveling snow yet. Luckily, uh, do, do you have fires as well there? Is it like snow and fire apocalypse in uh, Denver? No, no, no fires here right now. Some other areas, but no, we're okay overall. Well, uh, I don't know how the weather is in, uh, where are you right now? Berlin, Konstantin Eckner, hello. <laughs> Hi. Um, no, it's, it's all right. Uh, it's, it's a, a no snow to be seen. Uh, fairly Berlin-like weather for um, mid-September. So, so it's, I guess. it's it's gray. Well, no, no. It's actually fa fairly good weather for mid-September. Hmm. How about we should move on uh, and leave the weather channel for now? <laughs> yeah, we, we should. Um, but before we do that, uh, like everyone else, I've... Uh, As the season starts, I uh, asked them to introduce themselves to our new listeners. So, Konstantin, without further ado, you may do the same and uh, please tell our audience uh, who the hell you are. <laughs> hell, uh, might describe it very well. No, uh, just kidding. So, I'm one of the, you know, one of the guests, regular guests, uh, more or less, on this very show. Um, as you already said, based in Berlin. Um, mostly working as a sports journalist for um, a variety of outlets, um, BBC and ESPN and Times and so on, and German outlets, and also um, still being the managing editor of uh, Spielverlagerung.com, which is a tech text blog widely known, at least in Germany and Europe. Awesome. Yeah, uh, that's very good. And what's also nice is that we have a sponsor for this episode, but uh, I don't know if he or she wants to be named, so... Uh, He just put in his or her name as null void. Um, but uh, for that particular listener, still thank you very much for doing so. And if you want to sponsor an episode and get a shout out, maybe then uh, go to patreon.com slash the for more information. And I guess so it's time for us to actually start the episode. And um, I guess uh, I'll start with one topic, and I don't, I don't know if if uh, that's uh, the, the best way to dive into it. Season preview, but uh, let's just rip off the band aid, and that is uh, that about two weeks ago, Sportbild reported that Favre's contract will only be extended if he wins the league. Uh, reminder: He is entering his third year as a head coach of Borussia Dortmund, and his contract runs out at the end of the season. Now, Matthias, uh, to add a little context for that, 
to that reporting and I'm obviously not 100% sure whether Borussia Dortmund really uh, have set such an ultimatum or whether that is their decision making but um, according to a 538 Bayern wins the uh, league with the 81% probability and I think uh, the website has Dortmund and Leipzig at 7% and uh, Watzke at the financial disclosure press conference uh, dubbed Bayern Munich as maybe the best ever Bayern team that has played right now. Um, so given how the odds are stacked not in Favre's favor, um, do you think this is the last, the final year of Lucien Favre and do you think that if this ultimatum thingy is true that Dortmund are setting themselves up for drama by uh, raising the expectations so high? Well, I, I guess the the short answer is yes, yes. Uh, I think it probably will be Favre's last season. Um, unless, of course, Dortmund do win the league. And, uh, you know, I just don't see that happening, to be perfectly honest. So, uh, yeah, probably going to be his last season. Whether or not they actually made such an ultimatum, I don't really see them sitting him down and being like well you know if you don't win the Bundesliga title this season against especially getting past a team that just won the treble and did so emphatically uh we're not going to extend your contract I don't necessarily see them being quite that crass uh, but the general understanding is they they want to progress the progression from second place is first place and I just don't see that happening and so maybe they don't see Favre as the future But we'll also have to see who else is available. I mean, that's kind of been uh, the caveat over the last three years, you know, even preceding uh, and uh, Favre's time at Dortmund was, okay, who, who do we get when Tuchel was gone? So uh, I think there are a few variables, but overall, I just get a feeling this probably will be his last season. Yeah, uh, I have the similar feeling. Um, I mean, I really don't know if this reporting is, is correct or not because I would like to think that a club like Dortmund evaluates the uh, performance of a head coach a little bit differently than uh, just just uh, on, on strict uh, results in the first place finish, which is uh, really hard to achieve. Um, but, Konstantin, if you think uh, about the two seasons that Favre had so far, uh, what do you expect of him in his uh, personal development going into his third year? And do you think that uh, there is a chance that uh, Dortmund extend his contract prematurely, meaning before the season runs out? And do you think there is a chance that uh, Dortmund fire him and maybe try to try out a new coach uh, already for the next year? So um, I don't really know about his personal development um, because it Farfer is not a coach that um, is fairly young and where you think that um, there are a lot of developmental steps to be taken. Yeah, but that um, being said, stage. I mean, he never coached a, a team of the size of Dortmund. So I think there is still something where you can grow, right? Yeah, but he still co he coached... Uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach, um, still a fairly big club with uh, a large um, membership and, and, and fan base. Um, shouldn't forget that. So it's not like he hasn't dealt with uh, media attention. I mean, he has. So that's, that's I mean, one point. He was point, the coach in Berlin. I think at Hertha Berlin, you actually have more media attention than in Gladbach. I'm, I'm not even sure. 
I'm not even sure. I think I think there are more uh, media outlets, or I mean, there are a lot of me. There are a lot of media outlets in Berlin, but um, many of them don't really pay attention um, so so much attention to Hertha because Hertha is like gray and boring. Or has well, been. that's all going to change. But uh, yeah, of course, let's not digress. Um, but but mention Gladbach because of the 70s has a large fan base in in, uh, in germany and a lot of uh, younger folks also grew up uh, liking Gladbach because their, their dads uh, were, were big into Gladbach in the 70s so um you, you should you shouldn't you shouldn't uh, underestimate the, the really the kind of audience uh Gladbach draws but uh, be it as it may all right <laughs> um I don't really see see him developing at this stage in his career and I don't think that was expected um and he has like kind of his own style and his personality is uh, unique to to put it that way uh so and he, and his uh, personality hasn't changed so there you go um as far as the contract situation what's uh to be expected in the in uh, during the next 12 months or so i think dortmund has to there there are two decisions to be made here um one is that Let's say um, Dortmund, they struggle and um, he gets he comes comes under fire. He meaning Farfer. Um, of course, there is the scenario that that Favre could get sacked. Um, I don't really see the second scenario being that like basically his contract runs out at the end of the season and that's it. So I mean, there could be a possibility that he says, "All right, I'm done here after the season." All right, then the club can't do anything, and I don't think that's a reason to fire him prematurely. Um, but if they say, "Right, we are at least satisfied with, with what with what Fafer does," um, then we might go into contract negotiations in late winter or something like that. Uh, because you know, going into the last two months or so of the season without really knowing what's going on the, uh, with the coaching position, because you have a coach with a with an um, contract running out, I don't think that's really what a club like Dortmund wants to have. Um, so really, the decision has to be made um, either to you know fire him if everything goes upside down, um, or maybe think about extending his contract if they are satisfied by the progress the team made. Um, also, you have to keep in mind that um, I think there are the expectations were higher. I think last summer, uh, because of the, the season before um, his first season, where there was a fair possibility for some time at least that Dortmund might uh, win the championship. Last season, you got the scenario of, of uh, Bayern struggling and all the stuff, you know, firing uh, Niko Kovac. Absolutely, you got that. Um, but also you saw how dominant Bayern were at the end of the season. So I don't think anyone goes into this season now expecting Tottenham to realistically challenge Bayern for the championship. Unless they are like, I don't know, they're just going things uh, criminally wrong. But um, normally you shouldn't expect that at least. Yeah, no, you're, you're probably right. So... Uh... Uh, I don't. I don't want to talk too long about Bayern, but uh, um, I've heard you on the Auf uh, Ohren podcast of uh, Schwarzgelb.de. Yeah, greetings, and uh, you said that the difference between the treble-winning Bayern of 2013 and the treble-winning Bayern now is that this team still has more upside and can actually grow and, and improve. Meanwhile, the other team back then was 
uh, more declining. So that's pretty daunting. And uh, yeah, I also don't see Bayern uh, faltering anytime soon, to be honest. So uh, as Jurgen Klopp would maybe say, uh, <laughs> try to finish second in the most beautiful way is what uh, Dortmund can expect from this season. Obviously, it's it's still sport and unexpected things can happen, but uh, realistically, I think uh, this is sort of where Dortmund's ceiling is right now, which is uh, in the long term not a bad thing because uh, it's still a positive feedback loop and that means Dortmund still get bigger than uh, everyone else if they consistently finish uh, on top of uh, the other 16 teams minus Bayern. So um, it's it's uh, not completely... Uh, rubbish. So, Matthias, that all being said, um, last season Dortmund obviously struggled for uh, large parts of the Hinrunde. Then uh, came the infamous switch to the back three and uh, things uh, worked out a little better for Dortmund and also, I guess, uh, the team overall uh, built some more chemistry. I mean, there were a couple more signings that needed time to adapt, like Hummels, uh, even though he, he was uh, adapting fairly quickly, but Julian Brandt Hazard and obviously Haaland in the in the second half of the season. So, um, how do you expect this Dortmund side to uh, continue where they left off uh, in the second half of last season? Well, that's a good question. I mean, it comes down to the aforementioned uh, Lucien Favre, and if he decides to do a back four or the back three. Obviously, the back four uh, was part of the issue in the first half of last season. And whenever he's used it now during preseason, it just didn't look very good. Uh, I think the back <laughs> three definitely plays more to Dortmund's strengths. Uh, so I would hope he would persist with that. And if he does, the good thing is there's a lot of depth there, except for maybe, you know, we've raised the question about uh, an additional center back, especially on the right-hand side. But overall, the depth is very good. Uh, the flexibility is very good. And there are a lot of options available to him in that kind of 3-4-3 three, three system uh, where Dortmund played overall extraordinarily well in the second half of the season. Um, so if they do that, uh, and obviously most of the players are used to the squad now, um, and I always feel like young players like Bellingham as an example will probably get used to it quicker. Um, and so Chan will be there now longer. Holland is there longer. There's not a lot of transition in the squad. So I think they're going to play better from the start, which obviously technically means, oh, you know, that's upside, you know, maybe make up some of those lost points to Bayern that way. But the difference is Bayern is not starting with the massive handicap of Niko Kovac as manager. Um, and uh, I feel has obviously strengthened and is healthy and all of those things combined I'll be honest, I think Dortmund hit the uh, hit the ground running, but uh, Bayern will hit the ground running away. And so I just, it, usually optimistic self, I just don't see Dortmund really at the end of the season challenging for the title, to be honest. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to forward this uh, claim you just made over to Konstantin, because uh, if I look at this Dortmund side right now, and uh, obviously the preseason doesn't give away too many things, but uh, we have seen a few preseasons uh, in in the past and I will say that Dortmund have looked much much better at this stage of the season or preseason than they have this time around um 
the uh, sponsor of our episode actually asked uh, a week ago why is Favre abandoning, abandoning the back three then he asked will we have enough defenders for either system why I'm confused am I overreacting uh, so um, Konstantin I feel like especially with the back four that we've seen so far in the preseason Dortmund looked uh, very void of any automatism and uh, builder play was as atrocious as it was uh, at the start of last season so um, obviously we've never seen a full strength team together because Favre always mixed it up in the in the test games but um, yeah I don't I don't think Dortmund are on the level yet where they can be which is a very obvious statement but I, I really fear for the first couple of weeks of, of the season how is your feeling going into this? I mean, my, my feeling is somewhat the same, um, meaning that I don't think that they will be even close to 100 or even 90% uh, going into the season. That being said, most of the other teams aren't either. So um should keep that in mind that um, other teams also have their, have their struggles right now um, because the, the schedule has changed, shorter summer period... Um, the transfer market and negotiations interfere basically with, with pre-season preparation uh, when it comes to a couple of the clubs uh, aiming for a higher, um, you know, higher precision in the in the league, meaning like Leipzig and, and Leverkusen, for instance. Um, so it's not like Dortmund is is alone with these um, kind of issues right now. Um, what I would also say is that you mentioned back four, back five. I'm absolutely of the opinion that, that Dortmund should stick to the system they, they used um, in the second half or basically the two-thirds of last season, uh, meaning the back three. Um, I think that the squad fits the back three better. Uh, you've got more options. Um, and as you said, uh, there wasn't one match, where, uh, in uh, one preseason match, uh, in which the, like let's say, best starting 11 played together all the 11 or 12 or 13 players that should be in a starting 11 uh play together that wasn't the case so there wasn't really preparation in terms of like how sh could the team look um as as strong as possible so that's also a concern so why not um uh, rely on what worked um last season um although we remember that like the last few matches of last season um <laughs> Oh, we shouldn't remember them actually. Uh, we should just bury them in under. Yeah, under. we should never talk about them and again. <laughs> yeah, we should we should never talk about Hoffenheim again uh, and bury it six feet under. Uh, but you know um, that the back three worked quite well, and also I, I don't know what it means, but um, during the last or in the last um, preseason friendly against uh, Sparta, Rotterdam, um, Favre went back to the back three after employing the back four in all the previous preseason matches. I don't know if that means anything. Just saying. Maybe come to the he came to the conclusion that it shouldn't or it, it can't really work with that kind of of uh, back four right now and he needs more time or whatever. We know that um, the back four is his kind of preferred um backline formation and and also subsequently like the lineup um consists of a back four and you know 
433, something like that. So that's his preferred system. Um, so maybe he will give it another try at another time. Or I don't know. Or he just can't help him help himself and just go for the go with the back four uh, going into the season. I don't know. It's just I think that was very interesting to see that uh, suddenly they they went back to the back three um, in the last in the last preseason friendly. Well, I mean, it is interesting in in uh, many aspects. Uh, a because Faro said I think during this preseason it's easier to switch from a back four to a back three than the other way around, and mm. meaning uh, maybe uh, he wants to uh, you know get the uh, automatism as i like to call them uh you know running a bit better if this team trains with the back four but uh yeah very late in the preseason they they uh started to train with the back three again um now it has been conveyed via Ruhrnachrichten and, and other outlets like hicker and so on that uh, the switch to back three uh um, was also born out of a demand by the players uh, when things weren't going well uh, in, uh, I think, last, was it September or so? Uh, um, that, uh, you know, Favre was sort of forced a little bit or, or act on or however you want to call it. And maybe this time a little bit of uh, politics, uh, player politics, or, or maybe the, uh, I don't know, Zog or whoever, uh, maybe pushed him in in that direction as well i i don't know but uh, this is always a little void that uh, allows pundits and, and fans to speculate of what's going on uh, in in the background uh, also interesting that uh, lucien favre uh very offensively i would say said uh, that he basically needs two teams to fulfill the strenuous demands of this season uh, because there will be a lot of so-called english weeks um and until uh, christmas basically so um i think the first couple of weeks dortmund uh, only play on weekends but then it's it's pretty much uh, a, a midweek game uh, every week so there's going to be a lot of football um matthias do you think that uh, uh, favre at least has has changed a tiny bit by uh, being more vocal about what he wants uh than than he usually is or uh, is my memory just warped and favre's always been like that you know, I think he's always kind of mentioned some things that he wants. Um, it's always well and good to do that now when no one's playing. I think once the ball gets rolling, he'll probably be more uh, his usual self, uh, as you put it, and just because you don't want to bring in distractions and stuff when people are playing and so on. If you're doing it a little bit in build-up, even though it's not much of a distraction, I think you can kind of get away with it. So, And, and he's not necessarily wrong. Uh, I just looked at the schedule for the first five matches, and it's definitely interesting because it gets bookended by Gladbach and Schalke. And, so, um, and then in between are the quote-unquote winnable matches. So it'll be... Really, really interesting to see how how they start things off because Gladbach to begin with is definitely uh, a difficult task. So it'll be, I, I think, him being more on the offensive uh, with his comments, maybe trying to set a tone, which is something that he's oftentimes been criticized of not really being able to do because he's more soft spoken and cerebral in his approach. So maybe this is his attempt at doing that. Yeah, fair enough. So uh, let's discuss the uh, overall transfer picture a little bit. I mean, ESPN just came out with a report that Manchester United are uh, pushing on to the J with the Jaden Sancho deal and uh, have agreed uh, agent fees or whatever. Uh, so uh, 
I'm I'm still pretty sure this deal in the end won't happen. But uh, Constantine, um, Dortmund have lost Achraf Hakimi, but they have gained uh, Thomas Meunier and they have gained uh, Heinier and obviously Jude Bellingham. So uh, your overall assessment of uh, how Dortmund improved or got worse with this transfer window. I mean, I guess overall they have improved. Um, losing Hakimi was, I think, a big hit. Um, and I think a hit is, uh, has been somewhat underestimated. Or um, I think there's not enough, not enough talk about losing Hakimi and how it could impact the team. Um, bringing in Meunier, good move, especially for quote-unquote for free. Um Still, I don't think that Mune is the kind of player Hakimi is, so um, doesn't <laughs> I, he, he, he doesn't bring that's, that's the, the, the kind insight of, we have you on here for. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Uh, he, he doesn't have like the, the kind of unique qualities Hakimi has. It's more of a wait. But how I mean, many fullbacks minus maybe Alfonso Davis really have that uh, terrific amount of speed and and the uh, I don't know the the attacking mojo that Hakimi unfolds. I feel like this sort of signing is really hard to replicate, and I have I have another question in store for you later down the road. But uh, yeah, it's it's going to be different, which is maybe why also Favre tried to revert to back four. I'm not sure, but Munier is also not really a, a right back. You know, he's also more of a wing back. Yes, of course, um, but. The- Brings, um, you know, that's the, that's the question. Uh, what about the the back three and and having wing backs? Um, I think uh, you can have Murray as as a wing back. Um, you can use Mune as a wing back. Of course, Akimi is like the picture perfect wing back. Um, so, but but coming back to your initial question, uh, I, I I think overall, as I said, they have improved. Um, you got Bellingham, a huge talent. Uh, maybe not someone for the starting eleven right now, but um, I mean, if things work out quite well, he will be an option for the starting eleven fairly soon. Um, that's one thing, and Henye is also someone um, that can be used in a variety of roles. So I think overall that that's really um, it's really a plus um, to have these kind of players and not losing, of course, Jaden Sancho. Um, hopefully, which um, is also then. Kind of a plus, of course, uh, because you could you, you wouldn't have been able to to replace him uh, equally. No, absolutely not. There's uh, just no way to do that. So, Matthias, um, what what's your assessment of uh, maybe the overall balance of the team? Because uh, Constantin just talked about it. Um, losing Hakimi is obviously kind of a blow to Dortmund's uh, structure on the field or, or balance or whatever you want to call it because on the left side you have Guerrero who is a very technical player with playmaking skills and then you have the very uh, direct uh, wingback on, on the other side which means you sort of have two different weapons that you can utilize and this sort of falls flat a little bit and uh, I mean we remember that Hakimi almost uh, you know single-handedly decided Dortmund's group stage in the Champions League last season and uh, I think he was overall very influential in, in, in many ways. So um, how do you think Dortmund make up for that? I mean, there, there is a bit of a loss. And uh, do, do you think they will be a bit too um, center-focused with uh, all the players and, and talent they have? 
Uh, now, I mean, they just added another uh, central midfielder with Bellingham and uh, Heinier is also more of a central attacker. How do you think this uh, overall tactical balance will, will uh, pan out? Obviously, it, it requires some change. I mean, uh, the the advantage you have, or you know, there's there's always pros and cons to everything. Uh, Hakimi, as great as he was attacking wise, he was occasionally quite the liability defensively. Uh, but he made up for it by the fact that he could just run back quicker than anybody else. Um, so his his at times questionable positional play defensively uh, was made up by his physicality and his pace. Uh, I think Meunier is probably going to be more um, defensively, positionally aware, possibly. Uh, I haven't seen enough of him to say that per se, but he'll kind of have to be because he doesn't have the pace. And odds are on his right side, he's going to be paired up with a center back that maybe is also not super, super fast if it's Pischek a lot. Um, so they're going to have to change a little bit their attacking approach. And of course, if they try to funnel a lot centrally, um, it'll be easy for opponents to kind of block that avenue. And and we've seen that in the past. I, I think that was one of the big issues in the first half of last season in the beginning where the the movement and the it was just very static. And that's because the opponents dictated it accordingly and Dortmund didn't really have the dynamism uh, to change that with the formation they were using at the time. They changed to a back three, and all of a sudden things changed around a little bit. Uh, now, obviously, they also have Holland, which they didn't have then, so that adds a new dynamic to it all. Uh, but yeah, of course, they're going to have to change a little bit, and there's going to be more emphasis on Jaden Sancho to do more um, in an attacking sense because his his partner there, which Hakimi definitely was, is going to be missing to a degree. So uh, the ideal there is that he... He combines well with Holland, uh, that there's fluidity and positional swapping between the wings, you know, the two that sit behind the lone striker. And then depending on what the double pivot is, if Brandt is sitting in there, which I do hope, you have that more creativity coming deeper centrally, which helps a lot of those, uh, that build up play and attacking opportunities. But yes, of course, they lose some dynamism. Um, Ideally, they have gained some defensive stability from it, but that wasn't really a huge issue after switching to the back three. So it, it'll be interesting to to see. And uh, I'll still, uh, you know, call him Reina just because I think it's funnier. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I'll be curious to see how he fits into that, because like you'd mentioned, I mean, Bellingham and him are more central and not really wing players. So are we a little bit too too center heavy and not enough wing players. Uh, it's a little, little hard to say at this point. Uh, and preseason really didn't give at least me enough insight to make a judgment accordingly. Yeah, uh, definitely. So uh, yesterday, uh, Belgium had a game in the Nations League. And what we saw was uh, Meunier as a right wing back and Torgen Hazard as a left wing back. And that got me thinking a little bit, um, Konstantin, and uh, I don't know how you feel about this, but uh, can you see Hazard playing a little bit of the Hakimi role? I mean, uh, according to fbref.com, he is 82% right-footed, so it would also make sense to put him as a right wing back, uh, you know, unless obviously you have Meunier playing there. But... Uh, I mean, he's a very hard-working player. He is very fast. Uh, he can defend, 
I would say uh, he is uh, he has shown us in the past. So do you think that at some point in in this season we might actually see Hazard as a right wing back? I mean, I could see that. Yes, um, especially if like there aren't. A, or there isn't the possibility for him to have a, a pick up a lot of playing time in a more advanced position um, because Henye and uh, Royce, Pond and Sancho block him from playing as a secondary striker slash winger. So yes, why not employ him uh, in a different position, um, especially against teams that you know that aren't threaten him to you know counter him all the time um i think that's more of a uh, it, it, it should only be in matches where he is um not that or isn't he in demand so much uh, to do defensive duties like like yeah, clear cut I, I, defensive I duties yeah defensive one-on-ones uh close to the box all the time i mean sometimes you have to but even as an as an attacking winger sometimes you have to or um all the time you have to track back and do something defensively um but of course that that could work um and i as i said that there might be the scenario where he's basically blocked from having a lot of picking out a lot of playing time uh up front or basically in, in the shadow of uh erling holland yeah uh definitely Big shadow by the way yeah yeah uh you're absolutely right and uh, this is actually my my next question and since you are the uh most tactical mind on this uh, show, Constantine. Um, how do you think uh, Dortmund's attack will blossom throughout the season? Because uh, as you mentioned previously, and as my dog just finds a squeaker toy, <laughs> uh, um, Haaland is obviously entering his, what, second professional season, right? And uh, he is uh, only starting his, his uh, first full season with Dortmund. And you have Girena breaking through more and more and uh, obviously Marco Royce is now back from injury hopefully also for the long term so um with all this in mind and the potential and upsides and I I would count in Jaden Sancho as well who is only 20 years old and probably has still ways to improve um how do you think the 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 attack of Dortmund uh, will will flourish throughout the season because for me personally this is probably one of the uh, most things I'm I'm looking forward to if I'm honest. I I guess it all depends on, on how the the justice system works because I think um and I've, I go back to what we discussed earlier on that the, like last season um you got a tactical change after what was it before the halftime match basically um and then it worked out quite well over time and especially pre corona break um, and in these situations, you you had Sancho especially um, working in the in the kind of uh, not not as a winger, but more as an inverted whatever, as an inverted winger basically, <laughs> uh, in a more central role um, where he's more comfortable or what's his actually his prime role. Um, and same with a couple of other players. Uh, I think Bar uh, Julian Brandt, who isn't that comfortable in in this kind of position, um, and who isn't really in in left winger anymore. Maybe he was once upon a time, but he isn't anymore. Um, so I guess it really depends. But it really depends on on how the the, the system overall works. Uh, because Sancho, for instance, um, really benefited from having Hakimi on the right side. Um, because Hakimi could either go wide and go down the line, 
or um, could also support him more in the middle and like put a lot of pressure on on opponents and give uh, Sancho more free space. What I want to say is like I don't know what, what uh, and with Hakimi being out, um, maybe Sancho has to now change his style a little bit. Um, so th- there are a lot of moving pieces right now, and what what makes it really hard is that we don't know uh, the lineup or um, the, f- the formation Dortmund will use um, in the first few matches. So, because, like, co- um, watching the pre-friendly, uh, the preseason friendlies, as I said, um, they use both. So, I don't know. And even even when they uh, used the back three, played differently in midfield, like a free midfielder, two strikers. Of course, Holland wasn't on the pitch, so different kind of system, like basically two false nines, uh, Royce and Henier. Um, ahead of of Brandt and Reina, so you know, and that's the another thing. Like Reina, you can use him in this kind of advanced midfielder role. You can use him in a winger role. You can use him in the Sancho role or in, in, a, in a role parallel to Sancho's. And I think there are always advantages and disadvantages to to that kind of thing. I don't know if I would use him in an advanced midfielder role right now. Maybe down the line. Same with like Bellingham. Yeah. I mean, I even said that he could even play more advanced in the in the kind of central role in, in some cases. Um, only thing is that, like, I don't know, he shouldn't shoot, by the way. That's Bellingham. <laughs> Bellingham's big weakness at, at Birmingham was, like, he, sh- he should never shoot. <laughs> because <laughs> it's, it's always more of a pass than, than really a shot. Um, and that's, that's one thing. But other than that, I mean, you can really use him also in these kind of areas. Where I think uh, versatility is great. Although sometimes it's also good when a coach decides like player X only is used in role Y and Z and not A, B, C, D, E, and F. Yeah? Just a little bit more um, focusing on one role and then developing the player into being the best player in this particular role. Yeah, that does make sense. And that uh, obviously brings me to the next question, which is obviously also impossible to answer, Matthias. But nevertheless, I will ask it. And that is, uh, there is uh, obviously right now a huge contingent uh, con- contingent <laughs> of uh, central midfielders uh, from Emre Can over Axel Witzel. You have Tobi Raschel, Julian Brandt, Delaney, Bellingham, Dahoud, uh, and even Guerrero or uh, Girena can all play uh, in, in, in central midfield. Uh, either position, well, not either position a double pivot, but uh, uh, in these two or three positions, depending on how Dortmund set up. There's obviously a lot of players and uh, a lot of players with a lot of quality. So there will be a lot of tough decisions to be made uh, during the season. So, um, Matthias, how do you think Dortmund's central midfield will uh, uh, yeah, fare throughout the season? Do you fear that uh, you know an immense amount of rotation might uh, sort of kill all flow and mojo? Or do you think that Favre will have his, his favorite pair and then pretty much sticks to it as, as much as he can? Well, I think there will have to be um, rotation because of the depth you mentioned. I think you can already dis- discount to a certain degree Rashle. I think uh, Guerrero as well. He'll play on the left uh, wingback position. Reina will play more advanced. I, When everyone's healthy, I don't foresee Dahut showing up at all. Um, so you're really down to Chan, Witzel, Delaney, and Julian Brandt. 
I think uh, Favre will Bellingham in Bellingham as well. Uh, but he, you know, knowing Favre, I think it'll be a while before we see Bellingham in a starting lineup. Uh, I think a lot of it will come down to who the opposition is. Uh, the nice thing is with all that depth and uh, with the fact that um, the additional substitutions can still be made, correct? I thought I read that um, for the Bundesliga season. So that gives Favre a ton of options to switch things up and the flexibility because everybody offers something different depending on how you're going to pair up that central pivot. And so I see it as a positive and not a negative. If we had a lot of the exact same type of players looking at those positions um, with about the same average quality, then I'd be very concerned. Right now, I'm not concerned at all. I just see it as options. And someone like Chan, he can also play in the back three if need be. Uh, Brandt can play further up the pitch. Bellingham can play further up the pitch. So there's a lot of flexibility there, even though, like you said, there are a lot of players. But that that gives him a little, a few more options that he didn't necessarily have last season. Yeah, uh, that's that's definitely true, and uh, I I really hope uh, he doesn't mess it up. Um, Konstantin, um, I know last favorite player is Julian Brandt right now, but I'm a little bit worried looking at him in in this preseason. He looks uh, very much out of form. Do you think that uh, due to that uh, players like Bellingham are a threat to him, or do you think that he will play regularly? Uh, one way or another, just because of uh, all the upside and, and quality that he has. I mean, normally he should, but um, one thing to keep in mind is that sometimes uh, he tends to, uh, Brent tends to be bullied around by opponents if he's not fully fit. So that sometimes happens, and um, I'm a little bit concerned about uh, Brent because even last season, uh, Either he was outstanding, or he wasn't there at all. There wasn't much in between. And, I mean, of course, we all hope that it's more the former, but hard to say. I think I think uh, him struggling with like fitness and preseason form um, is nothing unusual. And uh, in general, he, him f struggling with, um, like, or being not the fittest player, we should get used to it, I guess, because I also saw it sometimes last season, M yeah. midway through the season, where he uh, didn't look like one hundred percent, like one hundred percent kind of player, and more like, all right, he uh, runs out of gas after sixty or so, or he's not as quick and um, as dynamic as he might be or should be uh, for the type of player he is. Um, so that's why I also think that like the the left or uh, like the left winger position is not really for him anymore. Yeah, I I agree, and uh, especially in the context if Dortmund, which I don't know, uh, intend to play at some point a little bit more of an aggressive counter pressing, which uh, big teams sometimes tend to do because it's easier to to remain dominant in the game and then retain position or do whatever. Um, I mean, Bayern do it very efficiently. Uh, and effectively these uh, days. Um, so, Matthias, that actually brings me a little bit more to the Marco Royce question because um, he just uh, played 17 minutes against Sparta Rotterdam, scored a goal, a very nice goal, 
and uh, he was uh, playing together at least in the first half uh, with Heine uh, leading the line. Well, what was obvious right from the start is that uh, he uh, gave the team more pressing impulses than we've probably seen over all games during the preseason. So um, do you do you think this is something that A, Dortmund have to work on and, and B, can improve more with the return of Marco Reus? So I guess for the second time in today's episode, I'm going to answer your question by saying yes and yes. Um, he definitely uh, brings more of that because it's more ingrained in him. Uh, you know, at times in matches, even in the second half of last season, Dortmund seemed a little bit passive in their pressing. I know Favre isn't a mega press guy, but you, you need to be a little bit more aggressive. And I think Marco Reus in his more leadership role as well can kind of bring that out in players is less passive, less standoffish than some other players. Um, obviously I hope he maintains his fitness because I think a fit and uh, top of his game, Marco Reus is one of the best players in the Bundesliga and makes Dortmund extremely effective and good. So Uh, yeah, I think that's exactly one of the qualities that, aside from his ability to score goals, his pace, his directness, his passing, his uh, footballing IQ, um, and his passion, uh, that's obviously a big, big benefit to having Marco Reus in the side. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I I do hope that uh, he has more rotation. I, I really hope that Favre doesn't uh, sort of... Uh, burn Royce out right away again and uh, I really do hope that he can do a little bit of uh, job sharing with the Gio Reyna because uh, if if the preseason has made one thing very clear is that Reyna really is uh, on the ascent and uh, I think we'll have a much much different season than his uh, first uh, professional year I mean he's still waiting for his uh, first league goal but I don't think that uh, we will have to wait that long for for to happen to be honest um now constantine i already said Dortmund will probably uh, not have a chance to finish higher than seconds so that means uh, Dortmund need to perform much much better in the club com uh, in the cup competitions um do you have any easy answers of what Dortmund need to change in order to uh, prevail a little bit better in the champions league and obviously in the german cup and not uh, bow out against a team that's almost relegated no because there isn't anything to i mean you just have to <laughs> you, you have to play these uh matches the same way you play uh, mo most of the bundesliga matches unless like maybe the the, the last uh, match day where you only need a draw to to win or something to win the championship or something like that but usually you go for victory and uh, you should also do that against uh most of these teams and i mean uh As we know, Dortmund famously uh, are struggling in the uh, DFB Pokal. Although, I mean, it has it has improved. <laughs> the, yeah, we, the, we the, always said that they're famously bad, and then they made the final like almost yeah, every year yeah, yeah, for yeah. like five years. It was it was weird, but but there was a time where they they played um, Osnabrück or something, and you know, ah, well, I won't, they won't end well. <laughs> um, Offenbach also, yeah. Or Offenbach, yeah, and and all these kind of uh, f up match matches. Um, so no, I don't think so. I mean, and also of course, uh, German Cup is widely different than than Champions League, and uh, in Champions League, it's really it comes down to 
how on top of your game are you and even against even in, in the group stage where you might meet uh, a few of these um, teams from Eastern Europe or so I will maybe shrug a little bit and say yeah well you should beat them still I mean if you're not on top of your game the, their away matches will be a pain um, and that that's also kind of the intrigue of the Champions League there are there have been other um, top tier teams that have have uh, struggled against uh, some of the lower tier, quote unquote, lower tier competition. Um, so I mean, you saw it last season. Like even even in the group stage, Dortmund were struggling heavily, and that was also connected to just bad Bundesliga performances. Where it was just one big picture where Dortmund was really trembling. Um, so no, there's nothing else to do. I mean, it's just it's the only thing the the coach can do, other than you know put enough thought into uh, pre-match analysis and, and pre-match preparation um, as much as you can do it with a, with a tight schedule. It's just um, think about energy conservation. Um, basically, you know, who, who could play in the Bundesliga and then who could play in Wednesdays and Champions League and stuff like that. And how, how can you use the, the depth of your roster to the best? And uh, I mean, Dortmund, as opposed to some other teams, they at least have a lot of depth. So you have a deep bench, and you should make use of that. Um, I think that's one. Th- I mean, if if you, if you really desperately look for one one point where Dortmund might be better than Bayern, then it's bench. Then it's the bench and and the, the depth of the bench because Bayern, no bueno. Yeah, that's true. Especially if uh, Bayern lose Thiago, uh, I I think they. I don't know if they dip in quality, but losing Thiago is a heavy blow to me. He has been one of the best uh, Bundesliga players in the, what? How long has he been at Bayern now? What seven years or so? Uh, I think he sure. joined in 2013 uh, or so. But then you got got two center midfielders, Kimmich and and Goretzka, and like your your backup is Tolizo, who hasn't set the world on fire at Bayern. No, no. So um, yeah. That is maybe uh, one uh, position where Dortmund might uh, edge Bayern. But uh, that being said, um, depth is also a big issue at uh, Dortmund right now, especially in the backline, which is uh, why I'm not too optimistic, especially for the season start, because then Axel Zagadou is out with a knee injury. And uh, yeah, then you have Hummels and Akanji as your only centre-backs. Uh, Dortmund obviously lets go of uh, Baleadi. Uh, not that he was uh, an immense contribution last season, but uh, yeah, it's it's getting very tight at the back four Dortmund, which is why the back three, I guess, makes more sense in the back four, because at least with the uh, halfbacks, you can uh, employ guys like Emre Can or Lukas Piszczek and uh, them as, as full centre-backs uh, makes makes things a little tougher. So, uh, yeah, it's it's something that Dortmund probably need to address, but I'm not sure whether they can uh, find another competent centre-back just, uh, you know, out of the blue. So uh, that's probably something that we will keep discussing as the season progresses. Um, so, yeah, without any further ado, I, I think maybe it is time for us to then predict the, the final league table. Uh, Constantine, do you want to go first? I didn't know we had to predict the, uh, the final league table, but oh, all right. No. <laughs> I mean, you never told me that. I'm sorry. Oh, jeez. All right, let's go. Um, so first, Bayern. Second, Dortmund. Um, third, Leipzig. Well, kind of boring. <laughs> With the last year result. Actually, fourth is also Gladbach. 
I'm just going. I'm just going by by basically strength of the team. Um, no, no, uh, no magic applied here. Uh, fifth, I I think Leverkusen keeps fifth, although kind of a drop in quality right now. Um, sixth, uh, I would go with Hertha, Berlin. Mm -hmm. uh, seventh should be Wolfsburg. Eighth, Frankfurt. Ninth, um, Hoffenheim. <laughs> no, no, no. Ninth, uh, Dave Hoeneß. Uh, <laughs> ninth should be Mainz. Tenth should be Stuttgart. Eleventh should be Hoffenheim. Twelfth should be Cologne. Thirteenth should be Augsburg. You are thirteenth, right? Mm hmm. 14th should be Schalke. 15th should be... Who's left? Freiburg. Oh, no. No, Bremen. 16th, Freiburg. 17th, Bielefeld. 18th, Union. Very nice, ben. Matthias. Well, I've got a lot of similarities there uh, in kind of the top eight. Uh, so, Bayern is going to be first, and I just believe they're going to be... I mean, it's going to be like 10-point gap. Uh, and then we've got Dortmund and Leipzig probably close and then another bigger gap and then we have Gladbach so you know great minds think light uh, I'm I'm flipping <laughs> Hertha and, and Leverkusen I'm putting Hertha in fifth and Leverkusen in sixth um, seventh uh, I've got Frankfurt and eighth Wolfsburg so there's a flip uh, now I'm going to go with a little bit more controversial and maybe this is because this is my my nephew's favorite team, but I think we're going to have a bit of a bounce back from Bremen and I'm going to put them at ninth. Um, I've got Hoffenheim in at 10th just because I'll be honest, I have no idea what to expect from the side and the coach. Uh, Köln, I've got 11th. Schalke, I've got 12th. 13th, I've got Augsburg. Freiburg, I've got 14th. I have very little faith in Mainz. That's why they're 15th. I have very little faith in Stuttgart just because they disappointed me the last time they were in the league. So they are 16th, but I think they'll survive. And then I've got 17th, Union Berlin. And I think 18th will be the cannon fodder of the league this season. And that will be Arminia Bielefeld. Hmm. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, I, I have a very similar table, uh, only with the exception of, of Stuttgart, maybe. Because I also start with... Uh, Bayern, Dortmund and Leipzig and then I have Gladbach in, in uh, fourth place and Hertha in fifth actually, then Leverkusen, Frankfurt, Stuttgart and then Wolfsburg, Hoffenheim <laughs> and then Bremen already because I also hope and believe maybe it's a little bit of wishful thinking just with the Stuttgart finishing so high uh, that uh, they um, yeah bounce back. Then I have Cologne, Freiburg and Schalke is in the relegation zone and uh, Union and Arminia are last. And I think actually, no, there's there's Augsburg still underneath Schalke. Sorry. So uh, Schalke just makes it. Um, yeah. So I think I also forgot Mainz. Oh, well. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you were prepared. I, I was not prepared. But I, ma I, I managed to uh, at least get it together and, and name the 18th teams and have a ranking. Yeah, I was, I, I, was, I was not prepared, to be honest. I, I thought I could make it on the fly, and I forgot about Mainz. Not. Well, you can't. So, you know, yeah. not always can manage that. Uh, but but also, I find it quite funny that the Bundesliga has, like, this uh, this big 
what I, the big big nameless crowd of all the Mainzes and Colognes <laughs> and Augsburgs. They are in Freiburgs. They are just much in there, uh, somewhere between uh, 8th and 16th, basically. Yeah, just, just some random ranking, and you never know. And I even I have to uh, would have to look up uh, last year's ranking or last season's ranking to, to really figure out. Actually, oh, Union was 11th, right? <laughs> and Mainz was 13th. Well, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm sorry, Mainz. I, I didn't mean to forget you. Usually the, the team that I forget uh, when someone asks me to list all 18 Bundesliga sides is usually always Berlin <laughs> or Hertha to be exact because now we have two teams. So uh, yeah, uh, but but this time it was Mainz and uh, Augsburg, I guess. So um, anyway, uh, Matthias, while we're here, a uh, quick prediction for the uh, cup game against Duisburg so that we uh, just can say that we've mentioned it. <laughs> Uh, I think Dortmund's going to win that one 3 0. All right. Constantine? Um, yeah, a, a very pretty 3 1. Yeah, that's also my prediction. Uh, I feel like this is sort of the uh, classic result for first round cup game. It's never anything pretty, just Dortmund somehow getting the job done and somehow conceding a ridiculous goal. So, uh, yeah. As always, thanks guys for coming on. Uh, Matthias, how can people reach you on the Bird app? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Matthiasuk. And you, Konstantin? Yeah, CC underscore E-C-K-N-E-R on Twitter. Very well. You can find me at Stefan Butzko. You can find all of us at YellowWorldPod on Twitter and Facebook. And if you want to subscribe to the show, please do that via YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, etc. And... Uh, if you want to contribute financially, please do that via patreon.com slash the yellow wall. And uh, this should be all for this week's episode. And we will be back with, I, I guess, maybe an analysis of uh, the German Cup game. I mean, we'll have the first lineup to discuss and all that and more. So very exciting. I hope everyone has a nice start to the season. May Bayern lose and Schalke. And with that, until next week. And goodbye. <laughs>